The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, episode 57. Captain DeBridge, Spock here. Make himself. Surrender is not an option. Attention crew of the Enterprise, this is James Kirk. We are all explorers, driven to know what's over the horizon, what's beyond our own shores. We would have helped you get home if you had asked. That's who Starfleet is. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series movies, and more. And today we're discussing Strange New World. This is the uh, fourth episode, or third episode, sorry, uh, there's a reason it says, I thought I said fourth at first. It's the third episode aired of Star Trek Enterprise. And joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Don. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, thank you. Remember to like The Secrets of Star Trek on Facebook books at facebook.com slash starquestmedia. Retweet the shows on Twitter where we're at SQPN and leave us your feedback and your commentary. Help us to create this community where we discuss the these episodes. We've got great comments from folks, great feedback. We get some feedback today from someone on our YouTube channel, uh, the SQPN YouTube channel where you can find the episodes. So we love getting that feedback and your sharing and liking and commenting helps spread the news about the podcast. So we really do appreciate that. So we're talking about Strange New World. This uh, first aired in October of 2001. And it's, like I said, the still the first season. It's the, it was production number four episode, but it actually was pro- produced and released third in order. So at some point, the idea was this would be the fourth show, but very early on, it became the third. Um, <clears throat> the basic plot, the Enterprise landing party, uh, Goes to uh, a strange this, new world. Goes to a strange new world. And they think that T'Pol is conspiring with a species of rock creatures on a strange Class M planet. So uh, I, I I thought it was interesting the way this episode begins. We're below decks uh, with the junior crew members in the mess hall. Mm-hmm. So not with our primary characters. Uh, and we have these two characters, Elizabeth Cutler and Ethan Novakovich. Mm-hmm. And w- one of the things that's interesting, so the, the actress who plays Cutler, um, and I forgot to write her name down, but she was previously in an episode of Voyager. And I don't know right. if you remember this. She was in this this Greek chorus, Shakespeare in Love episode uh, where uh, Bolana Torres inspires this playwright to write a, the, the, the Voyager Elementals or some, something like that. I forget the, mm-hmm. exactly what it was called. Um, and then she's going to appear in two more Enterprise episodes, Dear Doctor in Two Days and Two Nights. And apparently she was intended to be a regular on the show and become a regular cast member, but she died of a heart attack in 2003. Oh, at the age of 36. Yeah, it's very Very young. young. Yeah. Kelly Waymeyer is her name. Was her name. Thank you. Thank you. Rest in peace, Kelly. I'm I'm either another actress or some also who was on Voyager died of a heart attack freakishly young. Yeah, I think. Yeah. And and it, it it kind of set me back because I, uh, you know, I was looking. I I wanted to look her up and say, where else have I seen her? She looks very familiar. And I see, what has mm-hmm. she done since then? And I'm like, oh, did she stop acting? Because 
everything ends at 2003, right after this. And then I looked further, and her IMDb bio says that she passed away in, yeah. in 2003. So a very well, sad uh, to well, learn that I liked her. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because, of course, you know, they do start with the two, you know, junior crew members. And, of course, that in Star Trek, that always means one or both of them is going to die. <laughs> right. Which, in, in this case, uh, they, they don't. Uh, they, but neither we'll, of them do. But, but we get close in, with the one of them. Um, yeah. And well, so that aside, uh, where we, you know, again, we're very, you know, I, I'm very sad about to hear about what happened to the actress. But so the mm-hmm. characters... They're having lunch in the mess hall, and Cutler is having some uh, plomique soup, which is a Vulcan soup. And she's apparently one of these people who's fascinated by cultures they see as more refined than their own. Do you ever meet someone like that mm-hmm. who's like, oh, I only eat French food because the French are more yes. sophisticated or, or something like that? Yeah, I, did, I definitely got the vibe that she has culture envy with yes. the Vulcans, mm-hmm. and that would be, you know, actually a thing. If we met a more technologically advanced race, there would be people who would become yeah. obsessed with it. And um, and uh, it's interesting, later on, she's, like, trying to bond with T'Pol <laughs> over Plomique Soup, and yeah. T'Pol yeah. totally doesn't care. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I, I read it as she's got culture envy, but Trip then says you've got a better chance of making a friend with something that you couldn't make a friend with. And yeah. he, so he kind of took it as just a friendship request. So that made me question right. my culture envy theory. But I did have the theory, the feeling that she's got culture envy. Yeah, that's what well, I, it, it, like. I mean, it's yeah. a very real thing. Uh, I think we've all known people who everything is Asian. You know, right. the Asians are the much more mature you know, spirituality and culture or everything's European. They always have to have the best European this and the best, you know. Right. And so it's always something. It's like it, it, the, it, the, the trend kind of varies and sometimes it's one culture or another. But yeah, this we all know people who, or hopefully or perhaps we've all known people who have had this sort of way. I mean, it's harmless generally, but I, it, I've it's, heard of people like this, but I grew up in the South, so not so much. You don't have the people in the South don't mm. have Northern envy. There are people. Uh, no, <laughs> there are people who have Texas envy. I know that much. Yeah. <laughs> well, so uh, being, being from Texas, so you yes. know, kind of secure in our cultural identity. Well, that's a whole nother. Uh, yeah, it's a whole nother issue. <laughs> yeah. So meanwhile, as they're having their lunch, there's a, a a class M planet appears in the porthole. I thought this was a bit of an effective storytelling, where mm-hmm. we don't have you know on the bridge class M planet detected, Captain, you know, and that whole thing. This is telling it from a different point of view, and I like this way of sort of, this is how the rest of the crew would usually find out about right. such things. Um, so that was nice. Um, but then we do go to the, the bridge, and um, the Archer... Paul is raining on everyone's parade, as usual. Yeah, Archer's ready to, you know, to march right down to the planet, get in a shuttle pod and go right down. Yeah, and Paul, I think, offers sensible precautions. <laughs> Maybe yeah, we should yeah. pay attention. Maybe we shouldn't just fly right down. And and, and the, the irony here, it's not so much irony, but the reality is she's right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and they still the, don't appreciate her. <laughs> yeah. So she says Vulcans would send down a probe first, and then we would study the planet from orbit for six or seven days. And uh, and and then when they get down, she's which we'll cover in a few minutes, she's like, we really should be running microbiology or 
she's just all on top of this. She's the adult in the room. Right. Yeah. And and it turns out she's completely right because this planet has dangers on it they are not anticipating. Right. So I I thought that they owed her a big apology and some upgrade. I, in fact, I I found it a little hard to believe. I mean, today if we found a planet like this, we would do exactly what she recommends. Oh, yeah. So it's a little unrealistic they're not I mean, we're taking already more precautions. Kind of- doing that with the planets we know about we're sending probes and checking them out and are these fit you know can we make them fit for human habitation and all right. that instead archer is dismissive here there you know they wouldn't been much of a plot line though of oh day six of our orbital scans and you know well they could have done <laughs> six days later i mean that's that, yeah we've, we see that they, yeah they could have done that and then okay to paul we followed all your precautions oh and there is something dangerous down there that we didn't detect right and I'm not saying right. they shouldn't have done the storyline this way. I just found it amusing how T'Pol, who has been criticized so much as a Vulcan, turns out to be the adult in the room and correct, given, especially mm-hmm. given the previous episode where she was criticized for wanting to walk away from people who were obviously being uh, 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 taken advantage of and oppressed uh, and enslaved. Part of the problem is, at least at this point, she's playing the character so unlikable, yes. completely, totally unlikable. I think it's a reaction to we've had Spock and then we had Tuvok and we have the Vulcans. We just love Vulcans. Vulcans are one of our favorite species as Trek fans. And I think they're trying to provide that contrast. Like this is a different time with different Vulcans. And And, I mean, obviously she's playing it. She doesn't want to be there. DePaul does not want to be there. She does not want to be on that ship. She wants to be back in Vulcan, back on the Earth embassy, wherever, but she does not want to be there. I, I don't remember how long it go, this goes on, but it does eventually shift. But yeah. the, the thing that's interesting is Archer's attitude, which is condescending even, not just dismissive, mm-hmm. but condescending to T'Pol. Oh, you poor, uh, you know, unemotional Uptight creature. Vulcans. Yeah, yeah. In, incidentally, we also have a bit of retro uh, retconning in this episode where um, we've always heard about class M planets up to this point, And here we hear about Minshara class planets. Yes. And they explain that for us as it, it's a Vulcan term, meaning uh, fit for humanoid habitation, which yep. is what we've always known class M to mean by context. But now they've told us the origin of where class M comes from. It's right. from. Apparently, right. there's a planet out there called Minshara that's used as the benchmark for these things. Right. The Vulcans Vulcans gave us our classification system, which is actually a nice bit of uh, background that kind of continues that idea of how indebted to Vulcans humans uh, were at the beginning. Yep. So they they make their way down in a landing party to the surface of the, Earth, of the planet. Oh, sorry, I said the Earth, which because it's obviously, you know, looks just like what maybe like the Rockies. Or, yeah. <laughs> maybe the yeah. high Sierras somewhere and uh and how oh we're so grateful oh this is so amazing oh like you flew light years across the galaxy so that you could get out and walk on a planet that's just like earth like why not why not be excited about going to a planet that's not and, like and earth? even even letting <laughs> yeah. the dog get out and take care of business <laughs> on an yes. alien tree well, and they're walking around taking pictures and they're like tourists and the do- and he forgets to to uh uh to to check in with to Paul and he just oh so dismissive though you're so uptight about security protocols yeah and she's running scans and Archer is like stop that and enjoy the moment and <laughs> and I'm going you really should be running microbiology scans right now <laughs> exactly yeah. exactly uh 
Now, I want to stop here because what happens is, is they get infected by these airborne spores that have a psychotropic effect on them. And, and but it, but it doesn't make you like peace out and become a space hippie. No, no, it makes you aggressive time. and violent, which it makes me realize, have you either of you seen the M. Night Shyamalan movie, The Happening? This is essentially no. the plot of The Happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not surprised that you haven't seen it. It wasn't a very good movie, but <laughs> but this is uh, basically the trees fight fight back, you know, glo- global warming, climate change, oh, right. the trees yeah. fight back, and they send out these spores that make people uh, suicidal and aggressive and dangerous and so on and so forth. It's- well, it, it very much is a, a typical hallucination story, you know, kind of that typical, you know, people start hearing things and seeing things and yeah. it regresses from there but the thing it's like i just it's so much like the happening that i wonder if shimelon was not inspired by this plot i just kind of mm. interesting so to paul wants to stay overnight in go camping uh and tucker decides uh, he wants to stay too right yeah that i it's really weird i mean i know this is early days but camping on an alien planet overnight would they really be this stupid <laughs> I mean, at least they could have, you know, like left a shuttle and camped yeah. in the shuttle. Had that as portable shelter if needed. Yeah. Well, she wants to. She wants to uh, look at n- nocturnal to- marsupials. Study some nocturnal yeah. marsupials. Uh, okay. And then Tucker and wants Mayweather to stay with him because they want to. Do we ever see any fauna on this planet? No. No, and at no point do we yeah. ever see any animals. Uh, I kind of want to see nocturnal marsupials, if that's what you're staying to study. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, the, the budget. Yeah, the only animal they show is, was uh, scorpion, basically. Oh, the scorpion. In his right. bed. The, the, the scorpion in his bed, yes. I don't know if that was a hallucination or just was a real bug. That might have just been a bug. In his it might have been a real bug, too. I mean. Well, unless it was a, marsu- unless it was a marsupial bug, it's not doing what I want. <laughs> exactly. Nope. By the way, earlier in the day, there's a moment where um where uh i think it's archer asks to paul does this does vulcan does the sky of vulcan ever get this blue and she says occasionally and i looked it up and historically vulcan sky has been depicted as being different colors uh including red orange pink yellowish and sometimes blue Right. And so apparently Vulcan has a sky that, not unlike ours, changes color. And in fact, we saw that in most recent ups, uh, season of Discovery, where we saw, uh, was it? Uh, Sar- the thun- Sa- thunderstorm on Vulcan? But also Sarek uh, and Amanda's house by the lake, uh, where mm-hmm. they the sky was blue there, which was interesting. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then then the, then Archer like takes a selfie with T'Pol frowning and says, send it to Vulcan. <laughs> yes. uh, we have, we have our selfies in the uh, 22nd century, but you know, the one of the things though, with the camping and the staying in the, I, I, the idea, I get what the idea is. The idea is to say, this is all brand new. This isn't, this isn't the enterprise. We've been exploring strange new worlds for many years. This is the first strange new world. Yep. And, and this is how you know we're not quite prepared for it. We're we're sleeping in tents and having a campfire, and this is primitive days. So I get that. I, I don't have a huge problem with it. Um, but you would think it's a little much. Well, you would think that very soon after this, they start to think of okay, we need shelters that could stand up to difficult conditions, and we need to have certain mm-hmm. protocols. And you know, the fact is they can't beam up and down as we see later on. Uh, readily it's the shuttle pod so going way up and down from orbit to land is more of an issue so staying overnight is a bigger deal i get that so i don't have as much of a problem with that um 
Plus, ghost stories with T'Pol is, is kind of fun. So to convince Mayweather to stay and camp out with him, Tucker says, when was the last time you slept under the stars? And I'm thinking, uh, every night, because I'm in a spaceship. <laughs> like, well, yeah, I, no. I can look out the window and I see stars. I think he... <laughs> I think he means without the spaceship between you and the stars. I, I suppose. I suppose. I thought it yeah. was kind of a, that would have been a great comeback, mm-hmm. though. Um, yeah. So Travis tells a ghost story and to Paul uh, in her pedantic Vulcan way, uh, pokes holes in the premise, which uh, um, I think is was a lot of fun. And then a storm suddenly blows up from nowhere. And Novakovich starts hearing things in the storm. He starts hearing voices. And then... Um, Meanwhile, as we mentioned, Trip and uh, Mayweather are sharing a tent, and Trip feels something in his in his sleeping bag. This is a particularly, uh, I think, Western Southern sort of thing. We don't we don't have to deal with scorpions in our sleeping bags up here in New England as much. It's uh, mm. not a thing for nope. us. Rattle uh, like a, a mountain timber snake. Uh, rattlesnakes might be, but that's pretty rare. Do you have uh, rattlesnakes in in Massachusetts? We do. They're rare, but the, the I live near the Blue Hill yeah. State Park, and there are technically mm. rattlesnakes in there. So we do have to be careful. Uh, Eastern Mountain rattlers. They are not rare here. <laughs> yes. nor, neither here, and nor, are, not, nor we also have bull snakes that take care of them. But yeah, we we have rattlers here <laughs> quite a bit too. Uh, and uh, scorpions are fairly common in Texas. I know that. Uh, so yes. Um. So they they the the. Bug, the alien bug that uh, Trip wants to phaser in his sleeping bag, causes them to abandon the tents of that in the wind, uh, and they go for a cave that uh, to Paul had discovered earlier in the day, and they they start hearing things in the cave, and then Travis goes back because they forgot to bring the food with them. Travis is going back out into the storm to get the food, and he sees people outside. Now this is very interesting, and this is an early clue. Each person that sees a hallucination sees something different. Travis mm-hmm. sees people in Enterprise uniforms. Uh, 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 Cutler sees um, green-skinned aliens talking to T'Pol. And Trip sees um, rock people coming out of the rocks. And it doesn't occur to anyone that they're seeing different things because their heads are being messed with by yeah. a psychotropic pollen blowing around outside. Paul is the only person who doesn't hallucinate some kind of people, and therefore she's the one they sus- that Trip starts suspecting of colluding with rock people. And this is right. a this is a the Vulcan's previous untrustworthiness, and especially in the eyes of mm-hmm. uh, Tucker, where it starts to play against Paul. That leaves them suspicious of her. And this is one of those things where, like, deeply held uh, parts of our brain that we normally our rational mind keeps down get released because the rational mind has gone bye-bye for for now and yeah. so tucker gets really paranoid and freaky uh with with regard to to paul um well there's there's one point where cutler sees uh to paul talking with talking quote-unquote talking with two of these aliens right and to paul's like what are you talking about I'm, I'm looking in the cave for what's back there there's nothing back there like and and so cutler's like she's talking to somebody commander you know there's and 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 meanwhile and travis who I guess because he went out in the storm is feeling the effects a lot more than the others, and he's really mm-hmm. uh, gone off. And Novakovic, who was the first to get infected, he runs out into the storm, and he's huddled in a in yeah. a fetal position out there. And they establish the longer you're exposed to these to this pollen, the worse it is for you. So the right. the more time you spend out of the cave, out in the wind, the worse it is. Right now they can't. They they do settle. Okay, we can't land the shuttle. Too windy. 
downdrafts, whatever, the, the shuttle and, almost gets and, crashed. And they, tr- they try. Yeah. And they like sort of crash, part, partially crash the shuttle into a cliff face and say, yep. it's just too, too, too dangerous. We can't do this right, right. now. So now they decide, okay, we've got to risk this, the transporter, which we've established is not quite reliable yet. And we see why. Yeah. So they try to beam up Novakovich, but the flying debris all around him becomes in, yeah. embedded in him. It's really creepy. <laughs> it's really yeah. creepy. Uh, and I, I, they, they pull it out of him, apparently, the doctor does, yeah. um, <laughs> which made me wonder, is this just on his skin or maybe all in the matter stream? It, uh, but what I was wondering is, is it all through him? Yeah. But apparently not. Yeah. Yeah, I, think, I think they made it clear it was just on his, his skin, like any leaves and everything that were hitting his skin as he was being transported out. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's one thing. I wonder if their reluctance to use the transporter in Enterprise is almost a response to the next-gen episodes where it seems like everything was transporter. Right. We transport mm-hmm. everything yeah. by transporter. I mean, it, the, the dog sneezes. We got to use the transporter, <laughs> you know. Right. Mm-hmm. I think I, I, you know, I like the idea of imposing some limitations on Enterprise, like imposing some mm-hmm. limitations that create drama. Um, right. Well, that's, that's one thing I was reflecting on. You know, I, of course, I wasn't. I wasn't available when you guys recorded Fight or Flight, the previous episode right. of Enterprise, but I watched it to kind of catch back up. And it's one thing I reflect about is everything. There's a lot of the stuff about the ship. It feels like it's much more primitive. Yes. I mm-hmm. mean, it's still a then state of the art ship, but you compare it to Discovery or TOS, TNG, it feels very primitive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In comparison. I would have gone even further in the direction of no transporter because in in the pilot they established these transporters are not rated for human transportation, only cargo. I would have I would have, but then they transport Archer in an emergency and it's safe anyway. I wouldn't have let him do that. I would have I would have made them have transporters, but only for cargo, right. not for humans. And then eventually later we get an emergency situation and they they use it on a human maybe sometime late in the first season and it doesn't work. Right. And the mm. person dies. And mm. and to show this is really not safe. And then they experiment with it a little bit uh, because they have to. But finally we get like our captain transported and he's safe, but way down the line. Right. Yeah. I mean, like like they did in the, the motion picture where when they were beaming up the Vulcan science officer and it went horribly wrong, you know, that yeah. that establishes a certain dramatic line. And wow, this is this is a problem. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I would have preferred that myself. I, I like the the imposed limitations that create drama because transporting had mm-hmm. become so easy. Like you said, father Corey. Yeah. It, well, it's, you know, they're presenting it as this is a new technology. This is, you know, warp drive is one thing. That's just kind of an extension of, you know, transportation we've had for centuries, but this ability to be, have your molecules scrambled, turn into a data stream and then put back together is, you know, incredible. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I, I like one line they have down in the cave where they realize we don't have any water. And T'Pol looks at, and she's being all sultry defiant, but she looks at Trip and says, I can survive without water for several days. Can you? And the answer is like, why, yes, I can. A typical yeah. human can survive for three, at least three to seven days with no water. Thank you very much. Exactly. <laughs> 
Yes, he also. And oh, by the way, they're on an an Earth like planet. I think they might find some water somewhere. Yeah. Uh, th- well, th- I like the, uh, the. There was another moment where uh, Tuck, where Paul says to Tucker, "Your emotions are beginning to affect your judgment. You're becoming irrational." And Tucker's response is, "You've never seen me irrational." Well, I mean, kind of right yeah. now, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then he starts shooting, shooting off the phaser in the cave. It's like, okay, you just discharged a weapon in an enclosed environment. That's not not rational. (laughs) Not rational, dude. So Tucker is acting like he's on something. He's like, he's been drugged. You know, he's sort of stumbling Mm -hmm. around. He's, he can't think clearly. Uh, and to Paul, she's starting to come apart too. And in fact, the way it affects her is that she's starting to speak Vulcan. Uh, Again, another, another line. She says something Vulcan. To, to to Tucker and he says, I have no idea what you just said, but it didn't sound very nice. <laughs> so it was, yeah. it was a nice, nice moment. Uh, yeah. And she keeps switching back and forth between English and Vulcan. Right. But eventually just stops talking English altogether. Yeah. Uh, and which is an important uh, plot point later on. Uh, so then Dr. Flox diagnoses Novakovich, who's been beamed up and uh, became a leafy man, as being drugged by a psychotropic drug that Reed uh, is the one who comes up with, well, that must have been blown in by the windstorm. Yeah. Tropolysine is the name they give it. Right. Um, And not only does it, you know, is it give a a hallucinogenic effect and suppresses judgment, but it also eventually will kill you. It's, you know, that it It will break down into something that's toxic. Uh, So Archer needs to get. Which, Which they don't know at first. Right. Right. So Archer um, wants to try. At first, he tries to appeal to Tucker's training as through the communicator. You know, you've trained for this. You've you know you know what you're doing here. You, um, but but Tucker doesn't respond. He's 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 still caught up in his yeah. uh, dangerous paranoid fantasy. Uh, and he starts hallucinating someone called Mister Velik, who we later learn was his tenth grade biology teacher from Vulcan. Yes. Yes, yep. and he and he's appealing to him. So and we, we so we're getting a little background on Tucker and Vulcans and the, all that sort of thing. That, mm-hmm. but he liked Mister yep. Velik. Well, and he turns out at some point he's going to like another Vulcan too. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> yeah, have a sort of have a daughter with another Vulcan. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> um, so then this is when we find out Novakovich is dying from a toxin in the spore, and Flocks takes the blame. Yeah, the windstorm is not going to pass for nine hours, so they can't get them. They can't get down to them before right. then. Basically, it's like a wind hurricane. Yeah, it looks like a hurricane on the uh, on the scanner. So uh, I guess we didn't see that coming uh, while we were scanning the planet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the massive hurricane <laughs> <Yeah>. coming. Um, <laughs> so Flox is interesting character with Flox. He's he starts blaming himself. Uh, it's my fault. I should have caught it. Mm-hmm. And, t- and Archer's like, I don't have time for for your self blame. Let's you know, let's deal with it and move on you know that yes yeah. you did screw up now let's fix it yeah not as not as much as you captain archer <laughs> oh, yeah exactly yeah exactly yeah, he should be blaming himself he just almost lost a crewman here and might lose the others um so again archer tries to appeal to tucker over the communicator despite his dementia they've they've got a, a countermeasure that they've beamed down that flox has made they they've beamed it down to the mouth of the cave but the, a, a drug. drug, but they they can't get him to take it, and so Archer switches gears. A very interesting switching gears. Yeah, he leans into yeah. the delusion. Um, he lo- starts lying to Trip right. to get him to to talk him down. I, I like this though because you know, if, especially when you're talking about people who have like dementia, yeah, sometimes mm-hmm. that's the best thing you can do. You can't. You're not going to talk yeah. them out of their dementia. Dementia. You're not going to talk them out of their illusions. 
And sometimes the best thing you can do to calm them down is yeah. we'll play your world for a right. while. A, you friend know, of, uh, a, a friend of mine was uh, talking about her, uh, told me once about her father who had Alzheimer's and had started to misremember things from the past. Mm-hmm. And he was talking to his wife once and they were looking at like a National Geographic or something that had illustrations of the mountains on the moon. Mm-hmm. And he was talking to his wife. He's like, honey, remember when we went there? And she, by this point, she had enough experience dealing with his dementia that's, oh, honey, yep. that was so long ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's, um, you know, I've worked in a nursing home and I've had friends who've worked in nursing homes. And one of them was telling me how a lady came up and thought she was at a, uh, like a department store right. and, mm-hmm. you know, she got her, her, her laundry. And so she brought it to the, the front desk, the nurse's station and wanted to pay for it <laughs> and just went, no, that's your laundry. That's yours. That's yours. And so finally this nurse aide goes, oh, well, your, your husband already paid for it. You can take it yes. home. Oh, okay. And she walks <laughs> off happy as could be because she got her new clothes. Right. Well, because so you get, you yeah. know, but that, that helps with a lot of these patients is you're not going to convince them otherwise. And it's the same thing with something like right. trip yeah. is dealing with. You're not going to convince him otherwise. They're only going to get more upset. So the best so thing to do is if pl- you try to, yeah, right. you get more yeah. upset. So, so convince, play into it and convince him within the delusion. Yeah. Deal so with what the consequences Ar- later. So what Archer does is he says, okay, trip, you're right. Paul is here on a secret mission to talk to rock people, but she was put on it by Starfleet. She's on a mission for Starfleet, and we couldn't tell anyone else for security reasons. So it's vitally important that uh, that she establishes first contact with these people because the Vulcans have met them before, so they may trust her when they wouldn't trust us. And you're not helping matters by pointing that phaser at her. So put the phaser down. And maybe that'll convince the rock people not to destroy the Enterprise. Right. Right. And so <laughs> yep. there's a comes a moment where um, Archer has to give instructions to T'Pol, but she's only speaking Vulcan. So he has um, Hoshi convey yep. the instructions in Vulcan to her. And T'Pol responds in Vulcan that uh, play acting isn't a Vulcan tradition, but I'll do my best, which is kind <laughs> of funny. I'm not sure what she means with that. Hopefully she stayed at a Holiday Express last night and they'll take care of it. Uh, yeah. So he, she, fi- they finally get him to drop his guard. She stuns Tucker, g- uh, knocks him out, gets the medicine, injects everybody after neck pinching Mayweather, which apparently is something that that they're yeah. not aware of. In fact, later on he's like, "Oh, I must mm-hmm. have, I must have uh, twisted my neck when I fell," um, and she doesn't right. say anything mm-hmm. about it. So that's an interesting little uh, detail where they don't know about Vulcans yet. Meanwhile, back at dawn, everyone is fine. Yes, they wake up and there are no, they realize there are no rock people. <laughs> I can imagine how, how dumb Tucker felt like, like that moment, like, wait, did I like when I was young and, 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 and silly, I sometimes would over, overindulge in uh, alcoholic beverages. Uh, that's mm-hmm. I'll, I'll admit that. And uh, you'd wake up the next day going, did I really dance on the table last night? Yes, you did. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> that is not good. Yeah. Mm. And that, that's kind of like Tucker's like, did you shoot <laughs> <Yes>. me? <laughs> so, um, and then Tucker does, he talks about his 10th grade Vulcan biology teacher, Mr. Velik, who said, challenge your preconceptions or they'll challenge you, which is, oh, this is our, hey, folks, there's a sign. This is our message for the, the episode. There's our platitude. Yes. The moral of the show is <laughs> Our, you know, Tucker's preconceptions about Vulcans, his, his suspicions uh, were, were what did him in, in addition to the psychotropic drug in the spores. Yeah. A- any other uh, 
things you want to mention about this episode? Any other notes to bring up? I don't know. I, I think of, of all of psych- psychotropic spores, I'd much rather have the ones that cause you to chill out and be a space hippie <laughs> than compared to these paranoid yeah, exactly. ones. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> um, all right. By the way, one one note about this. Um, so we like last week we talked about a Voyager episode, which was one of the earliest Voyager episodes. And we noted that both the most recent early Voyager episodes didn't have anything really to do with the with the the Delta Quadrant. They could have been set anywhere. Right. So they really didn't tie in to the overall theme of the series. Right. But this one did. The only yeah. reason they're this stupid is because it's early days. And I mm-hmm. think they overplayed how stupid they were. They could have gotten there a different way. But um but at least this story is integral to the thesis of the series we're watching. Yes. Yeah, and, exactly. And 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 I think it was a step up in the writing compared to I, Voyager. I agree. This this I mean despite the the things we've called out about it, I think it actually is a good enterprise episode. I I I yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, absolutely. one of the things that they changed in while they were filming it was Novakovich was supposed to die in this. He was supposed to be the first crewman who dies aboard the this Enterprise. Mm. And it was Scott Bakula, plays Archer, who said, No, we can't do that. Like because it was going to be played off with just like all the other Star Trek series where, oh, crewman died while we're really sad about that. Now let's move on. And he was like, No, I mean, this is again, early days. This is our first time out there. That the first time someone dies, we have to make a big deal out of it. It has to affect Archer. We have to deal yeah. with it. Um, and and there wasn't time for that in this episode, so they decided to to pull back yeah. from that. Uh, and I, I agree with that because because people have never died in the military before. Officers don't know how to handle that. Well, no. at least on a regular basis, like they do in apparently in Starfleet, um, the danger that they have to deal with. So I I agree with the first person dying under Archer's command. It should be uh, his dealing yeah. with that should be a part of the story. So and and that's fine. That's it's more of a deal if you're a commander and you've never had someone die on right. your watch. Right. Um, so let's see. Uh, so anything else do we want to bring up on that? All right. So we do have a little bit of feedback. This was a as I mentioned, uh, we had a comment on YouTube on our discussion from this goes back a ways episode thirty three where we talked about the discovery. Uh, uh, episode new eden when they went to that planet where the people had been stranded and they'd mm. come up with this religion uh that was sort of a a, a mm-hmm. mishmash mm-hmm. and uh, so robert courtmanch says on youtube don't you think that in many modern american communities faith is so watered down and diverse diversity so valued that it really wouldn't be that hard to see a blended faith being a compromise most would accept i think because we were saying that it was hard to to accept that mm-hmm. they would put you know um uh, the, the Quran in the in a stained glass window of a church, that sort of thing. What do, what do you think about what he says there? I, I think it depends on the religions you're blending. If you're an Egyptian and a Greek, uh, you can blend those two <laughs> paganisms. I think it's called the Roman <laughs> Roman religion at that point. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. If 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 you if you're a Christian or a Jew, it's much harder to or a Muslim, it's much harder to accept a blended thing. Right. Like if you had. Uh, Catholic, uh, Anglican, Methodist, and Russian Orthodox. Even that, I could. It would be hard, but I could see it. Yeah, I can. I can see that. I mean, we have interfaith chapels now in Christianity. Yeah. But saying I'm going to put the Quran on the same plane as the Bible. Yeah. No, thank you. Well, I mean, to be fair, there are people who are trying to do right. that today. 
I mean, there are people, you know, you see the coexist bumper stickers and things like that. And it's like, well, if do you, those people even do they have a religion? That's yeah. the point, though. It's that it's they're not they're just they're, it, it's a vague spirituality is what it ends up being. And that's kind of what New Eden showed was more of a vague spirituality than it was an actual, you know, any of those particular religions standing out. I, well, yeah, but they seem to take them seriously, though. The thing about the vague yeah. spirituality people is they don't really go to church and they don't really, they're not really active in their religious practice because they don't take it seriously. And that's right. how they're able to maintain all this stuff in tension with each other. But the people on New Eden do take, or New Terra Elysium, uh, do take their religion seriously. I mean, they're talking about it all the time. They're going to church. They've got Bibles that they've stitched together from different texts and edited. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're really serious about it. And I don't see how you get that when you have uh, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam in the mix. Because they didn't want to deal with the obvious consequence would be you'd have these different groups keeping their religions right. right. Well, the whole point was, yeah, that people were coming together as one. Um, so yeah, and so that in which we talked about in that episode, but I thought it was an yeah. interesting comment, and uh, thank you, Robert, yeah, for absolutely. yeah for encouraging some more discussion of that. I I enjoy that. Uh, so as we as we finish things out here, uh, we want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create Secrets of Star Trek, including this week, C M, Elaine K, Jesse K, Megan F, and Patrick W. Their generous donations at sqpn.com/give make it possible for us to continue the Secrets of Star Trek and all the shows we're doing at, at StarQuest. Uh, and if you have the wherewithal to join them, we would greatly appreciate it by if you go to sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. What did you think of this Enterprise uh, episode, Strange New World? Let us know by visiting sqpn.com slash trek or the SQPN Facebook page and leave us some feedback there. Or you can send an email to trek at sqpn.com, or you can go to our YouTube channel like Robert did and leave a comment there. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the animated series episode, Yesteryear, which is going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. Until then, Father Cory Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Thanks, Dom. And Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thank you, Dom, and live long and prosper. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest, and remember... He went where no dog has gone before. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs>